Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second installment of our exciting three-part series going through the introduction of the Chovot HaLevavot with our very own Chacham Eli Shalbi. In this text-based series, we will be learning about the internal mental process that the Torah demands of us. As you may have heard, our publishing house has come out with a book on Pesach, which has been sold to 400 people around the world. It is not too late to order now and get your copy for the Moed. Additionally, our Israel division of the Chabura, led by Eli Shabi, has put out a sleek and insightful Pesach journal with essays by the Chachamim and students of the Chabura. Uh, make sure to get yourself a copy and enhance your Moed. If you have any questions, please raise your hand, and please God, there will also be time for questions at the end. Uh, with that, thank you all for joining. Chacham, uh, it is a privilege to have you with us, and the floor is yours. Awesome. Thank you, Ohad. Uh, so, as I said last time, right, this is a part two of a potentially three-part series. Uh, so, as I said last time, I... I don't want this to be lecture style. I would appreciate if you guys have questions to just jump in in the middle, uh, you know, unmute yourself, ask whatever you'd like. If you have comments, you're also more than welcome to to uh, to do to say so. Um, I'll start with a quick summary of where we left off. Right, so we were we started. I gave last time. I gave a brief introduction about Chovot Elevavot as a book, what its importance is, uh, and what its general um, context and content is. Uh, and then we started reading in the text. I started by saying how Bahia is very systematic in the way that he presents uh, the contents of his book, and especially the introduction, which I said, I think that the introduction is really a phenomenal, phenomenal work um, and really must re- uh, mandatory reading, uh, in my opinion, uh, and how he's very methodical in the way that he presents things, right? And we said, right, we opened, he said that the greatest gift that man is given by God after having been given the intellect is that he is given knowledge, right? Knowledge or wisdom or science, however you want to translate the word ilm, right? Um, and he divides ilm, right, into, right, or mada in Hebrew, right? The same thing as Harambam's Sefer mada, right? Which would also be translated as ilm, uh, right? So he, he divides uh, knowledge into three types, right? The first is the natural knowledge of the natural sciences, the second is the mathematical sciences, and the third is the divine sciences, right? Um, and we discussed that at length last time. Then he zooms in to the third of those three, which is the divine sciences, and he says, right, uh, uh, ah, sure, sorry, I should share screen so that you guys can see the text. Yeah. Right. So here he divides the sciences into three types. Right. And we went over that. And then uh, after that, he after he goes one by one, he then says how the first two sciences, right, the natural sciences and the mathematical sciences, are primarily uh, right uh, useful for understanding this world. Although they also have 
uh, a lot of benefit for understanding religion in general. And so too, right, so too the divine sciences also cover both, although there, there is a legal prescription, right, that to use the divine sciences for worldly benefit is prohibited, right? Uh, and he explains how getting kavod and etc. out of study is prohibited, whereas doing it for the Shem Shamaim is uh, oblig- obligatory. And then where we left off, right? So the three sciences, and then we left off with this last paragraph. Right? He then zooms into the third of the three. So he puts the natural sciences and the medical sciences aside. Those two are relevant for people who want to delve deeper into the sciences, right? But that's not the purpose of this book. This book is to delve into the into religion, which is also one of is, is a science, right? And we discussed a little bit that uh, last time also how Bahia would not uh, view religion as something that is dogmatic or just a matter of belief, rather a scientific pursuit, right? Of something that you need to understand, right, with your intellect. And we'll go. We're going to expand on that a lot today. Okay, so he zooms into that third, and then he says that there are three gates through which one can understand the divine sciences. Yeah, the first can you, gate... Can you zoom in just a little bit into the text? Yeah. Thank you. Right, is that better? Perfect. Right, so there's three gates through which a person can understand the divine sciences. Gate number one... Right is through the intellect, right? A clean intellect that is clean of all biases and incorrect uh, assumptions or preconceptions, right? Uh, right. That is the first and most fundamental gate through which a person can understand the divine sciences. And the second, Hasharashini Sefer Torah Hamiti. Right is the true book of God. Right, the Torah, the Torah, and the whole Torah Shebichtav. Right, including the Nevi'im and Kippurim. That is the second gate through which man is able to understand the divine sciences. Hamasoret. Right, the oral tradition. Right, and these are the three channels through which a person can understand uh, the divine sciences. Okay, and that's where we left off last time. Any questions until this point? Okay, so let's pick up from where we left off. So now that he said, right, so he had already defined each of the sciences, I will repeat the definition of the third science, right? He said, that's his definition of knowledge of God, right? Knowing God and knowing his Torah, right? Knowing God and knowing his Torah. That's part one and part two. And then part three, all other 
objects of intellectual uh, apprehension, right? Things that are not to be known through the senses. They're not sense perceived, but rather through the intellect, man can come to know them. Such as and the nefesh and the sechel and all other types of things like this. Things that are not physical, so they cannot be sense perceived through these five senses, but rather are intellectually known. Right? And these three things, that is the uh, that is the that is the divine sciences. And now he comes and continues and says, here, Bahia starts to get to the beginning of the division that is going to be the crux of his book. So, knowledge of the divine sciences, which we said is God, the Torah, and the other muskalot, is divided into two parts. One part is Yediat Hobota Evarin, knowledge of the mitzvot, right, or the obligations that are incumbent upon one's body, upon his limbs, things that he ex- that are external, right? Vehem Hamada right? In Arabic, al Elm And the word Zahir, as opposed to the word Batin, which is going to be translated here, Pinimi. Uh, it's important to understand these two words. Zahir usually is translated as Hitsoni. It can also be translated Nigla. Uh, means apparent, right? The Zahir is a person's back, right? It protrudes. A person sees it. Whereas uh, the Batin, right? Like the Hebrew word Betin is about his stomach, right? Is inwards, right? And somebody, no one, and you can't see through uh, what's inside a person's stomach, right? The vahir is what is apparent, is external, and the batin is internal. So the knowledge of the dat of, is divided into these two divisions. One is external obligations, and the other is internal obligations. Right, the obligations of one's heart. Before I discuss for a second that distinction, um, which is obviously very important, the whole book is about it, um, I want to first point out something else um, that's a little bit less obvious. Here, Bahia is defining the two categories of Yediyat Right. He had already, however, explained to us what the contents of the divine sciences are. And there he said the three things that we we opened with knowledge of God, knowledge of Torah and the Sharamuskalot. And here he seems to not be talking about. Uh, it's knowledge, right? Because he says, 
right? The madachovotalevavot, or yidiat in Arabic, same word. I don't know why Mori changes the translation from yidiat to mada. Um, but uh, in uh, here, even though we have, uh, right, we're talking about chovot. Chovot are obligations, right? An obligation is not the same as a thing that a person is as knowledge, right? One is knowledge and the other is practice. And here is something that I I just want to point it out as a side note because I think people, uh, especially when it comes to Arambam, a lot of uh, people on the more academic side um, tend to make this mistake. Arambam, when he talks about uh, right, the Shelemut, right, of a person, the Muren Bukhim, right, he talks a lot about the Shelemut Asechel, right, and knowledge of Hamuskalot, right, and that's how the way a person reaches Nebu'ah. And they think that this is only an intellectual enterprise. It's about knowing the right things, having the right opinions, right, and that's what brings a person to uh, Nebu'ah, right? It's the fact that he is a philosopher, right? It's the fact that he has all the right answers, right? And here, look how when Bahya defines what the divine sciences are, he also introduces the same things, right? Knowledge of God, right? Knowledge of the Muskalot, and knowledge of the Torah. And here when he's dividing them, they have a practical uh, division on both sides. Both of them are about Chovot. And the same thing would be true for Harambal. The, uh, the, the knowledge is a critical part of the equation, but it comes hand in hand with action. The practice is a immediate uh, a, uh, Aftermath or immediate consequence of the knowledge, and it's not just knowledge, right? And here it's it's very very clear um, that Bahia is saying that. But that's a side point. Um, before we uh, I before I came to talk about this division about the uh, external and the internal. And before I'm not going to touch on that yet. I want to keep on reading. We're going to speak about that a lot. So I'll, I'll, we'll come back to it. Vehine chovota evarim nechlakim lishne halakim. Ha echad chovot shasechel mehayevan veaf im lone emar hiyuvam bakatuv. Vehelek sheni mitzvot shem iyot sheen hasechel mehayevan velo sholelan. Keron isur achilat basar behalav. ולבישת שעתנז וזריעת כלאיים והרבה כיוסה באלו ממה שנעלה ממנו טעם יסורם וטעם חיוב מה שנתחייבנו מהם. אבל חובות הלבבות, הרי כל יסודותיהן מושכלות, כפי שאבאר בעזרת אדוני תעלה. I want to remind uh, remind us a second. Right at the end of the last class, we left off with a question that Avi asked. Uh, is Avi here? I don't see if he's here. Um, no, he's not. 
so we left off with a question that Avi asked, um, and I said that I'd come back to it today. Uh, so now I'm going to come back to it. So Avi, if you're watching the recording, uh, say uh, text me uh, five three seven. So that way I know that you, you watched it. <laughs> um, so we left off last time. When he says the three gates, right? right? The three gates. And then he says, That Sa'adyagaon has already embellished on these three um, sufficiently. And, and therefore, uh, Bahia doesn't feel the need to go into it. Sa'adyagaon serves a pillar for almost all of Bahia's writings. And this is a really, really important point to understand. Uh, and Sa'adyagon, one of the uh, positions that Sa'adyagon takes, and in my opinion, this is the biggest mahlokit between Sa'adyagon and many of the other Geonim and Haramban. It's one of the biggest points of, the, of disagreement between them. But for right now, I'm not going to go into Abam. Abam is going to have his own system. And Saadia has his system, and Bahia is developing that. I want to embellish what their way of viewing things is. Saadia makes a fundamental distinction between all of the mitzvot. He divides the mitzvot into mitzvot sikhliyot and mitzvot shamiyot. Rational commandments and right that's sikhliyot and shem'iyot um, mitzvot that a person uh, I don't know what the, uh, the exact English translation would be uh, mitzvot that are uh, that a person just accepts right uh, they are not uh, immediately uh, intelligible to him right he would not have come up with them on his own. Right, they're not something that his intellect would have invented on his own. As opposed to the mitzvot stichliyot, where the intellect would develop them on his own. Harambam would reject that division, as I said, but let's uh, go into this a second. Now, the division seemingly is very intuitive. All of us uh, understand the division to some extent. We understand that there's a difference between a mitzvah of lotignov or lotirzach or kabedet avicha betimecha and the mitzvah of sha'atnez or basar bechalav. Right? We understand intuitively that some of the mitzvot they just make sense, right? Obviously, it should be prohibited to murder, but basar bechalav that's not obvious, right? So the division makes sense. So Sa'adya Ga'on makes the, this division into these two types of commandments. The mitzvot that are sikhliyot are such that even without the Torah, the sikhil would have obligated us in the mitzvot, in these mitzvot. Right? Even had we not had a Torah, we still would have known that it is a mitzvah to not murder. Because our sechid would have obligated us in it. And the, the knowledge, all the knowledge that we have, as we opened up the book with, is 
knowledge that God gave us, and if the knowledge that we have is knowledge that God gave us, and we know intuitively with our sechir that it is oblig- that it is pr- that it is uh, prohibited to murder or is bad to murder, right? So God implanted that knowledge into us so that we know, right, naturally, that this is a prohibition, and that's. Sa'adiyah's definition of a mitzvah sikhlit. Mitzvah shamit, on the other hand, from the shorish of lishmoa, right, to hear, right, or to heed, right, um, is something that we only know because we had revelation. Our sikhil would not have been able to invent it on its own. Uh, but because of revelation, so we have the Torah and we have the Masorit, and they come and they tell us that this is the law. So I now go back to the Sha'arim. So we said that there were three Sha'arim. The first Sha'ar is the Sechim. The second Sha'ar is the Torah. And the third Sha'ar is the Masorit. For the Mitzvot HaShem'iyot, only the second and third Sha'arim are relevant. For the mitzvah, mitzvot sikhliyot, all three are relevant. Yeah? Is that clear? Okay. So now, uh, so that's Sa'ad Yagon, uh, and as I said, Sa'ad Yagon is a, the, the basis for Bahya. Now Bahya comes along and makes Another uh, um, another tweak in Saad Yagaon's uh, idea. That's not Saad Yagaon's idea. Most of the Geonim posit this. Bahia makes a tweak. And what's his tweak? He adds that there's a distinction between Chovota Evarim and Chovota Levavot. Chovota Evarim all right, can somebody give me an example of what Chovota Ibarim are? Lulav. Lulav, yafe. And what's an example of Chovota Levavot? Ahavat Hashem. Ahavat Hashem, yafe. Right, so Chovota Levavot are things that are internal, right? Whereas Chovota Ibarim are things that are external, that are practiced. By the very fact that the mitzvot Halevavot are internal and are not practiced, right? They are occurring in one's mind. They necessarily must be sikhliyot. That is a chidush of Rabbeinu Bachir. Right? Because, and it makes sense, right? Because the chavot and the are occurring in one's mind and are about a certain process that a person is undergoing, they necessarily must be sikhli. And because they must be sikhli, a person can understand them with his own mind beyond only knowing them through the Torah. And even had the Torah not been given to us, they still would be obligatory on us. And we still would have an obligation 
to study them and come to know them. And this is the answer to Avi's question. Avi's question from last time was that if the Sechel is one of the gates to understanding the that, non-Jews also have a Sechel. Would the Chavot Elevavot or the Atadat in general be obligatory upon them as well? And the answer is that for the Mitzvot HaSechliyot, yes. But for the Mitzvot HaShem'iyot, no. Because the Mitzvot HaShem'iyot, which are a product of revelation, are solely the, the uh, within the uh, purview of Am Yisrael. Whereas the Mitzvot HaSechliyot, which are a product of knowledge that is natural to one's mind, everyone who has a mind is, obliga- uh, is obliga- obligated in them. And, and and that's a really, really important point. Because once we understand that, right, and we already said it last time also, that the Sechel takes precedence over the Torah and the Masorit in places in which the Sechel is able to understand the mitzvot. Because we said, knowledge of one God, it is better that a person understand that there is one God because he studies it, explores it, and understands that there is one God. Right? He goes through a mental process that there is one God. That is better than if a person comes to understand there is one God only because the, the Pasuk says so. And it is better that he understand that than that he understand it through the Masoret. Because his father told him that there's one God, or because the Tashiba told him that there's one God, right? It's better that he understand it through his Sechel. Because if he understands it through the Torah, or through the Torah, he is relying on authority. And reliance on authority is not as good as truly understanding it on his own, right? Um. So if that's the case, right, and then and all the mitzvot, all the mitzvot are sichliot, and they are, it is better that a person uh, develop his understanding of the mitzvot levavot through mentally going through them as opposed to study of Torah Shebechtav or Torah Shebe'alpeh. And that's what the whole book is going to go out to do. The whole book is going to now go through a sikhli process to understand all of the uh, or whatever of the foundations of the Chavot Elevavot that Rabbeinu Bachia chooses to present. Just one second. Mm -hmm. And because it is sikhli, and it is not a matter of authority of law of Torah. It is a matter of understanding. Not only is it obligatory upon non-Jews, just as much as it is obligatory upon Jews, 
we can also come to understand them from non-Jews just as much as we can understand them from Jews. And that's also a fundamental point. Because anyone who has a seichel can teach us about this. Because this is not Torah. It is Chokmah. Right? Like the words of the Mishnah. Right? Right? Torah is not something that Goyim can have. Because Torah is a matter of revelation. It's a matter of authority. It's a matter of law. And that's something that is ours. Non-Jews don't have that. But Chokmah, anyone with an intellect has that. And you can... Uh, understand, and you'll and, and, and we'll stand. Uh, if a person studies the Chovot Edavot enough, you'll see that Rabbeinu Bachye he will cite non-Jewish sources in his book. Whether he does so explicitly or implicitly is a different question, and that's more of a political or rhetorical issue. But he definitely does do so, uh, and that's not Lignai it's Lishevach. Because it shows the extent to which he is searching for the truth. Right? He is searching for what the Sechel is Mechayyev. Yeah, Ohad, what do you want to ask? Uh, going with his logic that anything that has a, a Sechli element to it, then it's open to everyone. As you said before, Yediyat Chavat Hayavarim, right? There's an aspect of sikhli element to it. It's a, it's a, it's a experiential knowledge. It's something that you relate internally, that you connect to internally as well. So there's aspects of the chavat ha'evarim that is open to goyim as well, that they can reach so said, experientially. So I said, chavot elevot, right? Rabbi Bachya's chidush is that the chavot elevot, by the very fact that they are the, a part of the lev, right, that they are internal, means that they necessarily are sikhli. Some of them are sikhliyot and some of them are shamiyot. The ones that are sikhliyot, yes, would also be obligatory upon goyim. So lotirzach is obligatory upon goyim. Lotignov is obligatory upon goyim. Right? From a sikhli aspect. Right? But the mitzvot evarim that are shamiyot, basar bechalav, Right, all that stuff. That's all Shamayot. So no, that's ours. And and if does Bachia do we see it him halachically applying this and then make like just like the No, because again, halachically means legal. Legal means authority. Right? When you're talking, halakhically, you're talking about Torah. I already said Torah is only for Jews, right? Right. But study of a book like this can help everybody. Right? Everyone can, everyone needs to come to understand that there's one God. And that's what Am Yisrael is here for. Am Yisrael is to, is here to bring to the world that there's one God. Right? And that's not something Bachi is going to go into, but, but that's what Amisa is here for. Right. Right? 
Okay, so let's now that I said that, let's let's go back over this paragraph. I think the paragraph will become will be easier to understand now. That's how I would have translated this. Right? And the second part, type, is the knowledge of of the obligations or commandments of the heart. And that is the maspoon, right? That is what is internal. And it is the, again, the internal madam. Uh, okay, that, and now I would put here a paragraph break. Okay, so new paragraph. Right, some of the chavot evarim, the sechel obligates them, even if the Torah never mentioned their obligation. Right, note how he says it. Right, even though the Torah never mentions. Some, some of their obligations, they are still obligatory as Chavot Evarim. Right? Because those are the Sikhli, the Sikhliot. The Chelek Ashkeni, Mitzvot Shamayot, She'en Asikhil Mechayevan, Velo Sholelan. Right? The second type are Shamayot, which the Sikhil neither obligates nor rejects. Right? And this is a key, uh, um, a key point. Right, the mitzvot shem'iyot are not opposed to the sechel. Right, uh, all of the mitzvot shem'iyot still have a tam. Right, you can still understand what the point of the mitzvot shem'iyot are. None of them is uh, is arbitrary, but they just wouldn't have been popped to your head. And so on and so forth. Right? That the, uh, and many more like these, that the reasons or the time for their prohibition or for their, um, or for their, uh, uh, obligation, um, is hidden from us, right? It's not immediately apparent. Okay. Um, Aval, right? All that is Chobot Ha'evarim, right? Part one of Chobot Ha'evarim, part two of Chobot Ha'evarim. Sikhliot and Shamayot. And now, the Chobot Ha'evarim, Aval Chobot Ha'evarim, Hare kol yosedotehen muskalot. All of them are muskalot. Right? All of their foundations, right? Their usul, right? Their, their roots are all muskalot, as I will clarify. Okay, now I would put another paragraph break. Bechol mitzvot, both shamiyot, sorry, both, yeah, both shamiyot and sikhliyot, and both evarim and and levavot, bechol mitzvot nechlekot letzivui veazhara, right, mitzvot ase and mitzvot lo taase. Right, we don't need to explain that in the Chavot Evarim. Because everyone knows that there's Mitzvot Aseh and Mitzvot Lota Aseh. Right? Lulav is the Mitzvot Aseh and Basar Bechalav is the Mitzvot Lota Aseh. 
אלא שאני אזכיר ממצוות חובות הלבבות והזהרותיהן, מה שיעלה בזיכרוני. אבל אני אומר כמה מצוות הלבבות, מצוות עשה, אין במצוות לא תעשה, אז אני רקול, כדי שיהיו דוגמה, so that they serve as a, an example, למה שלא אזכיר מהם, for the ones that I will not mention, right, so that you can carry it on at your own. Okay. Before I, as now he's going to list a, a lot of examples. Before I get to that, I want to go back and mention another point about the mitzvot ha-sikhliyot and uh, the mitzvot ha-sikhliyot and mitzvot sham'iyot. The fact that the mitzvot ha-levavot are sikhliyot and do not have and do not have an external aspect Right, a practical aspect in the sense of something that is acted or performed that a person can see right so Hacham Fa'ur has a chidush on this with regards to Rabbeinu Bachir he says and we're going to see this uh, a little bit further on right that because they are mitzvot levavot we'll never see that they'll ask in the Talmud right Yehud Adonai He'achud Right? We'll see them asked all sorts of questions about Nitilatulav, about Basavahalav, but they won't ask a question about the understanding of the oneness of God. And why not? Why does the Talmud not come to try and define that Nitilat? The reason it does not is because it is not subject to rabbinic legal authority. Because it is sikhli and not shami, it is not subject. Hachamim cannot come and legally define what it means for there to be one God. That's not something that can be legally defined. It is only intellectually defined. And it is the obligation and responsibility of each and every single one of us to come and understand that. To the best of our ability. And it's not something that Hamid can tell us that this is what you have to believe. Isn't kefirah though like legally defined? Or that's a different category? Kefirah, uh, you can be kofir bat Torah. You can be, that, that has legal consequence, right? That means that you don't accept the foundations for which The law is, exists, right? None of them have to do with um, sort of, I don't know, the ikarim of... So you can be a mean, right? If you're a mean, so you might believe that there are two or three gods, right? And yes, that, that, right, that would put you outside of the... framework of what uh, of what Am Yisrael understands God to be, right? So if you believe that there's a trinity, so you're outside of the equation of Am Yisrael, right? And we say, Now, if your Seichel uh, brought you to the conclusion that Am Yisrael is wrong, then by all means, go leave Am Yisrael. Right? That's what you should do. Now, you're probably wrong, right? Not probably. You are wrong. But 
if that's what you think, uh, do do what you think. Um, okay. Now, one last comment on this. So I, I mentioned in passing that Harambam would have di- would disagree, is going to, right? He doesn't exist yet. He was born 150 years later. But Harambam disagrees with this distinction. And uh, I'll only say this in sh- very briefly because it's not the topic of our uh, of our series. Right? We're studying Bahia here, not Harambam. But I do think that it is sufficiently important that it's worth uh, lingering on for a little bit. And because this is a issue that also has led many uh, to confusion. Many people have mistakenly thought that for Rambam, all of the mitzvot are sikhliyot. And the opposite is true. For Rambam, all of the mitzvot are shamayot. And he rejects any notion of mitzvot sikhliyot. Right? This notion of mitzvot sikhliyot essentially leads us to a uh, what in modern parlance we would call a natural law. Right? A natural religious law or a natural ethic, ethical law. Right? And uh, I think Bahia and Rabbeinu Saadia would agree with that, that there is a natural law. Right? And that, and that law is based on Right? It's not based on nature, right? So maybe natural is not the right word for it. It's based on the knowledge that God implanted within man to intuitively know what is right and what is wrong. And the things that are intuitively known, those things are obligatory upon everyone. So maybe a universal law is a better way of phrasing it. For Harambam, there is no such thing. And everything is based on revelation, is based on a mitzvah, a commandment. And the only distinction between what we intuitively understand to be a mitzvah sikhit versus what we intuitively understand to be a mitzvah shimait is, has to do with his conceptions of tov vera. That the mitzvot that Rabbeinu Sa'adiyah would call Sikhli align with our conception of Tov. Whereas mitzvot that are Shamayot, right, that don't, right, uh, that we don't understand immediately, do not align with our social constructs, right, our social conventions of what we immediately accept to be tov or ra, right? They don't necessarily align. And that's what makes them a hulk, right? That's what makes them not apparent. And the reason that the mitzvot sikhliyot are apparent is not because God implanted in us the knowledge that these are correct. That's as Saadia and Bahia would say. That's not why uh, those are immediately apparent. The reason that they are immediately apparent is because they aligned with our social conventions. And it is only our social conventions, not God, that made us think that these are correct.
Now, social conventions are important, right? We don't go walking around naked in the streets, right? It's important for us to behave in accordance with our social conventions. But that is what a lot, what leads us uh, to understand, to think that those are sikhli, but they're not. They're, they're mithul samot. Okay, that's, and there's a lot, a lot to say on that. I'm not going to go into it a lot more because that would be a whole class. So, so let's continue with Rabin Bahya. Um, okay, so we are, um, sorry. Okay, so, right, so, he, so now he says that he's going to make a li- give a list of the mitzvot aseh and mitzvot lo ta'aseh of the chovot alivavot. Asher le mitzvot shebechovot alivavot, right? When he says mitzvot, he means mitzvot aseh. Hare mehen chovatenu leda'a sheyesh le'alam boreh. To know that there is a creator. Be'a'a lo me'yesh, who created it ex nihilo. Ve'chen le'achado and so too to declare his oneness, right, with all of our hearts, or with sincerity, right. And there's nothing like him. And so too our acceptance of his worship in our heart. And so to to um, to point to his create to his existence through uh, ob- observing or through contemplating his cre- creations. Right to depend upon him. Right. Uh, and so to uh, being humble before him. Right? Being fearful of him. Right. Uh, again, uh, being in awe before him. Right. Being uh, in the sense of um, not shy or embarrassed, uh, the translation is shyness or embarrassedness, but uh, but in the sense of right of, of being tsanua, right in that sense, right that we understand that he is watching us or he's aware of our actions at all times, and not only our external actions but also of our inner thoughts. He is aware constantly of everything. Uh, that we are doing and thinking. And when we understand that, so we have a little bit more siniut and busha before him because we won't do certain things because we understand that he is aware. Uh, right? Hachamim uh, have a statement. They say that uh, right? anyone who is uh, who, who does a sin in private, in private, right? Uh, he he removes ragle shechina milefanav, right? He he removes the shechina from him because by sinning in private, he is actually saying that ah, now nobody sees me, 
right? So I am more comfortable sinning. And he doesn't understand that God sees him just as much when he is in private as when he is in public. Right? And so too, the desire to do his will. Right? And to uh, devote all of our actions to, to, for his sake. And so too, to love those who love him, so that we may come nearer to him through them. And to hate those who hate him. Right? And so, and, and, and all of these, uh, and so to all others that are like these, that have no external, uh, um, form, right? They are not, you can't see, right? If a person is, has trust in God, but you can't see if a person loves God in the same way that you can have two adim who see that a person stole. Right, you can't have two Adim say, We saw him on this day that he trusted God. Right? It doesn't work that way. Those are the mitzvot ase. Aval azharot, right? The mitzvot lotase. Right? So, mitzvot lotase, abhobot levot, haremehen hefech kol mashiz karnu. Those are the opposite of all that we have mentioned. Omehen akina, venetira, venekima, lanche turaten. Right? Such as uh, being jealous or having. Uh, um, having jealous, uh, being jealous, or have natira, right, of holding a grudge or seeking revenge, nekima, uh, against the people of our Torah, right, against other uh, Jews. And so too, Right? And like and likewise, applying one's mind and thought on sins and their and the desire of them and having the intention to do them. And so to everything else like this, that one's consciousness uh, contains and that no one other than God is privy right to seeing uh, these things like the verse says I God am the one who uh, examines one's heart and uh, and discerns his kelayot, right? The Amar Ner Adonai Nishmat Adam Hofes Kol Hadrevatim, right? The Nishmat Adam, right? The soul of man is Ner Adonai that is Hofes Kol Hadrevatim, right? That Ner Adonai, right? The candle of God. Right in the metaphoric sense, right allows him to search all of the chambers of a person's inner or innerness, right? His his bitten, right? Uh, 
Okay, yefe. So those are mitzvot aseh, mitzvot otaseh. And I will uh, note before you that if we look at this list of mitzvot aseh, mitzvot otaseh, not all of them correspond to mitzvot that we have pesukim for. Right? Some of them do. But not all of them do. Right? Lilmod al metziuto bederchait bonenut penivraim. I don't know of a pasuk that is a mitzvat ase that's going to appear in Sefer Mitzvot Le Rabam or Sefer Mitzvot of Sadiagon for that. Or Liftoah Halab. I don't know of a mitzvat ase for that. Or Leahed Maasen Ulishmo. Right? And so to the Right? Not all of these are going to have a pasuk that is going to be parallel uh, to them. Uh, and the reason for that is, as I've already said, right, that the mitzvot or the mitzvot are not all a matter of the katuv or the masur. They are also a matter of the muskal. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, we'll go a little bit longer. Uh, is that okay, Odd? Okay. Okay, so now we've ended up with the, uh, let's recap, because he, because um, he, at this point, he has finished breaking down his system, right? So we said, God gave us knowledge, right? That's the greatest gift after the intellect. The knowledge, knowledge is divided into three types, natural science, mathematical science, divine science. The divine sciences can be known through three channels. The Sechel, the Torah Shebikhtav, and the Masoret. The, then, uh, right, that's the channels through which to understand them. And then, that, the, 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 the divine science, again, has two parts. One part is the Mitzvot Ha'evarim, and the other is the Mitzvot Ha'levavot. The Mitzvot Ha'evarim also are divided into two parts. One part are sikhliyot and the other are shamliyot, whereas the mitzvot levavot are all sikhliyot. And all the mitzvot, whether they are evarim or levavot, are divided into mitzvot aseh and mitzvot lotaaseh. And with that, we have finished the zoom in into the third of the three, uh, the three uh, branches of knowledge. And now we can understand what the subject of the book is, right? Because the book is Torah Chavot Elevavot. So the book is going to be about the third of the three sciences. And of the three, of that third science, which is divided into two parts. One is Mitzvot Evarim and one is Mitzvot mitzvot Elevavot. It's going to be specifically about the second part of that third science. And the book is going to be about that. But the second part of the third science, and he's going to look at it through the three channels that he told us. Sikhli, Katuv, and Masur. That's going to be, right, uh, if, you're, if you were writing this as a, a book proposal to, for academia, I would say, uh, right, the methodology, right, is going to be that he's going to use 
the Sechel and the Torah Shebichtav and the Masoret. Right, that's the methodology. Okay? So that's it. That's his system. And now he says, Kevan Shediat Mitzvat Haddat Shinesugim Ha'echad Niglav Ha'shininistav Right? So now once I understood that the, the third science, right, the knowledge of the religion, right, has, is of two parts. One is uh, is external and one is internal. So I looked at Right, I studied Iyanti Besifrei Kadmonenu Sheahar Valea Talmud Asher Hiberu Seferim Rabbim Beenyaneham Mitzvot Kedelil Modmehem Adoratam Maspo. Right, so once I understood this, so then I wanted to study the Hovot and Avavot because I understand why they're important. I wanted to study it. So I, so what do you do if you want to study something? You look at the books of people who wrote before you, right? To go study what they said about it. So he started to study all the books of his predecessors who were after Baliatanut, right? The Geon, people of the Geonic period. Right? He started to look at the works of people of the Geonic period who wrote many works, on issues of the mitzvot, right? They wrote many books about the mitzvot. So Surely, some someone's going to also write about the mitzvot and avot. Umasati, and I discovered shekol ma shenit kavenu lefaresh ulvaer enu yosem mikilal achat mishalosh matavot. Right, and I discovered that everything, right, all the books that the Geonic period hachamim uh, wrote, they all are fall under one of three categories. Or one of three purposes or objectives. The first objective of all books, post Talmudic books, the first objective, Ahat, Beur Nikraot Sefer Torah Tadonai Tadar Vitrumam, The first objective of all the post Talmudic works is to clarify or to explain the verses. Right, the Pesutim of the Torah. Right? The Peshat, the grammar. Right? What the what, is, what are the words of the Torah mean? That's the first purpose that he found in uh people's uh, in these post Talmudic Hachamim. And this objective was done in one of two ways, right? Right. So this was done in one of two ways. Either a person wrote a commentary on the Torah, and in the commentary, he explains difficult words and their contents, right, and what they're coming to say, such as the commentaries of Sadiagon, right? That's what Sadiagon came to do. Or type type B is that it's not a commentary on the Torah; it's not structured based on the Torah, but rather it's just a it's a book. Uh, of grammar or a dictionary or 
a book of Sefer Shurashim, right, that are coming to systematize the Hebrew language by which you can then go and better understand the Torah. Right? So that's one of two styles that the post-Talmudic Hachamim used, but they both have that same one objective, which is to explain the Hebrew of the Torah. The Sugashini, right, the second type of uh, post-Talmudic book, is Kitsur Ikareha Mitzvot Im Kulam, Hiron Sefer Rafhefes Ben Yasliach, Veim Mashe Anu Hayavim Mehem Bazeman Aze, Hiron Halachot Pesukot, Vahalachot Gedolot, Vedomehem, Ohelek Mehelkehem, Hiron Sifresh Ara Geronim, Vishelot Vichuvot, Vishelot Aguf, Vuchlalim Vishpatim. Right? And the second type, the second objective, is uh, abridgments of the root of the principles of uh, of halacha, right? Books of halacha. Uh, whether it's like the work, books of Rehefez ben Yasliach, Rehefez ben Yasliach wrote a Sefer Mitzvot and some other things, right? Uh, right, like him. Or people who wrote, right, he, right so Sefer Mitzvot covers all of the mitzvot of the whole Torah. Or other people who didn't write uh, on all of the mitzvot, but only wrote uh, about the halachot that are relevant to us, right? So halachot pesukot, right, he wrote halachale ma'aseh, right? So he didn't write about the korbanot, or halachot gedolot, and so on and so forth. Or people who wrote uh, only on specific topics, right? Like Stan Geonim, who wrote books on Shahita, right? Or on specific topics, right? And Shailot Vichuvot, etc., etc. Right? So that's the second objective that he found in the post Talmudic works. The Asuga Shilishi and the third objective that he found is Yishuv Enyanat Torah Bilibenu Bederech Hahokaha, the Teshuva Alohurakim Alenu. And the third type is books that are uh, that seek to have the Torah be firm in our heart, right? by proving whatever various uh, notions it is that they set out to prove, or if they are polemic and trying to respond to our various uh, opponents, right? Um, right? And these are like the books of Sikha and Munot Vedeot, one of the most important books uh, that Rabbeinu uh, Sa'ad Yagon wrote, Right or Sefer Yisodei Adat, which I'm not familiar with. The uh, Sefer Al Mukhammis, and Mukhammis was a uh, Hakam who wrote a uh, who wrote a a book called Ashrin Makala, twenty letters uh, that it's been published, uh, and uh, it's a, a polemic type of work, and so on and so forth of other types of works like these. So these are the three objectives that he found in all post-Talmudic works.
לפיכך, And so, and therefore, I studied all of them. And I didn't find any one book that was dedicated to the topic of Torah Matzpun, the internal Torah. And Right? So let's go back. So he says, uh, so I, I found that there wasn't, there wasn't, no, wasn't even one book that was dedicated to this topic. And I thought that maybe, or, or, or I, up, I found that the Torah, that this Torah, right, that the Torah Tamatspun, right, the internal Torah, is Muznahat, right? The Torah Tamatspun is neglected. And it's, it hasn't been written down by anyone. Right? No one wrote a book that came to understand all of its principles. And it's, and all of its matters are not well defined in a book that is going to cover all of its branches. And I was perplexed. How is this possible? Because it's, the topic is so important. How is it that no one has addressed it? So I said to myself, Amarti Belibi, Shema Sugzemina Torah Enu Hova Alenu, Hyushel Mitzvah. Maybe this type of Torah, right, this issue, is not obligatory upon us as a mitzvah. Maybe it's only a sikhli thing, but it's not relevant as far as the Torah is concerned. Right? Maybe it's only sikhli. And the shar of Torah and shar of Masur is irrelevant for it. And that's why all the post-Tomul Chachamim neglected it. Right? And that the hiyub of it is only vidir Musar. Right? It's only as far as the, uh, as far as, uh, let's, let's see what the Arabic word is here. Adab, right? As, as, it's only a matter of, uh, Proper uh, of proper action, right? Of 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 uh, upper, of upright uh, behavior, right? Maybe that's the reason that uh, that that these are important to do, but not as a mitzvah. And that the reason that we're pushed to do them is only because. It is uh, people are uh, because it, uh, it's pushed because it, it seems better, right? And it's more proper, right? And that's why people are told. Uh, that's why it, it seems that these are uh, right. But but it's it's only but it's but it's because it's not a mitzvah. It's only like uh, it's only uh, uh, voluntary, right? 
or it's super uh, supererogatory, right? It's not it's not legally mandatory. It's an additional thing that we add upon on top of it. Right? That if we don't do them, if we neglect them, we're not uh, questioned about it, right? We're not going to be punished for not doing them. Right? Maybe that's why all of the post-Tamur Chachamim neglected writing it. Right? Maybe they didn't write it because there's no mitzvah. And this left Rabbeinu uh, Bahya in a state of perplexity because he looked at all the books of the Geonim and he sees that nobody uh, that nobody addresses them. How is that? How can that be? And of course, Rabbeinu Bahya is going to answer and say, and therefore, I'm going to take up the mantle and I'm going to write a book that is going to be dedicated solely to this topic, right? But before that, before he gets there, he's going to say, so he just said, maybe that the reason they didn't write it is because it's not a chiyush mitzvah. And he's going to come and say, no, it is a chiyush mitzvah. And it's a chiyush mitzvah through the sechel, through the Torah, and through the Masur, through all three channels. And now he's going to start saying a few reasons. How can it be that they didn't write it? Maybe it's because of this. No, that can't be. Maybe it's because of this. No, that also can't be. And that's what he's going to start doing. Uh, but we're going to pause here. Uh, we got to the uh, Chet. I said um, my, my ideal would, would be uh, to get to uh, finish the first half of the Akdama, which is in Daf Kafchet. Uh, I don't think uh, we're going... Uh, uh, I, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get there, but if, even if we don't, I recommend uh, finishing on your own. We'll have one more class. Uh, we'll get wherever we get, and, uh, and we'll see uh, where we go. Are there any questions? Uh, we do have some uh, um, mitzvot that are that are do have some legislation around them. Like for example, Ahavat Israel, we talk about uh, protecting one's money. Like how does that manifest? Or for example, Kibud Avayim, and then Chazal go into boundaries of you're not allowed to leave the city if they're if you need them, you know, if they need you. I mean, there is a discussion of a physical responsibility on things that seemingly are purely muskav. So you answered the question on your own, right? They're physical. They're not, right? They, the, the legal definitions that the hachamim give are actions that are, that they connect to the mitzvah, right? So if you could have a mitzvah which is a, internal thing and Chachamim definitely can come and say and give a halakha on that that is external right so you can say lechem hayav adam kol yom la'asot kacha v'kacha right levarech mea pe'amim b'yom 
it's not really connected to that, but uh, right, they they can give halachot that are going to have an external element to them. But at the end of the day, right, the kibud av va'em or the yirah ipene av right, because that's also mitzvah ta'aseh, is not, right, so it, it may be uh, uh, it may it may be seen, right? Maybe it comes it, it comes to fruition through certain actions, but the actual feeling of kibud or yirah is something that is internal, right? You can fake it. Mm-hmm. Are you really fulfilling the mitzvah if you fake it? Right? right? Maybe you're fulfilling all of the alechot. But if you deep down don't really fear your parents, you're just doing it because the book tells you. So there's still something wrong because you haven't internalized the feeling that the Torah is trying to get you to feel. Right. So to Chacham Fowler's point, then the sages could only speak about the physical manifestations of a muskal, but not necessarily the muskal itself. Like, they can't tell you... But they can think, they can speak about the, the muskal itself, also. But they can't speak about the muskal itself as a legal thing, right? Because no court can try you on it, right? Yeah. Uh, no court can come and say, you did it or didn't do it. So they can say it because uh, as a matter of Advice, a matter of wisdom, that they understand that this is important, and they, right, Hachamim uh, have a lot of statements that they say that have to do with a uh, person's uh, internalness, right? Hachamim do that all the time, and they, as they should, because, and Rabbeinu uh, Bahia is going to say that also, that we find that Hachamim talk about it even more than the Torah talks about it. And, and that's the case because of how important it is, right? But that doesn't make it a law in the uh, in the sense that a that it is uh, it can be taken up by a court, right? You can't get lashes, right? 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 That's a principle that we have. Right, even on a lamb, a person performs a mitzvah lo ta'aseh she'en bo ma'aseh. He'en lo kin alav. Right, right. For in Yenedi right, we have two mitzvot lo ta'aseh: bali ra'e u'bali maseh. Right, he can't have hametz uh, in his property that he owns. Right, or in his ownership. Right, more technically, right, he can't own hametz. And if he does, and and the Pesach comes, and he doesn't get malkut because he didn't do anything. It was shev be'al ta'asim. Right? That's not really exactly the same thing because it's not... Well, maybe it, it has elements of chavot right? The chavot because chavot at the end of the day is going to cloud over everything right Right. and uh, today what we did right if yesterday uh, uh, not yesterday the first class number one presented the foundations for which we can 
enter into the discussion of what Chovot Elevot are. Today, uh, we went into a little bit more about the foundations of what Chovot uh, we went what Chovot Elevot actually are, right? Um, so, uh, right, so, and, and, and next time, we'll be able to look at a little bit more how Chovot Elevot interact with the whole rest of the Torah, right? Uh, what context do they play within the whole performance of the Torah? Yeah. Chazak, any other questions? Avi's debating. Chazak Baruch, I, I, I came in the middle while you were answering my question, so I will make sure to listen from the beginning. <laughs> uh, and I will, I will listen to it from the beginning. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good. No, it's all good. But I got the just... gist of it. I definitely got the gist of it, what was being, the distinctions. Yeah. Merci, Thank you so much. Hey. So, uh, thank you so much, Chacham. That was extremely insightful. And we're excited for uh, the next uh, and final installment. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. A uh, reminder about the journal and about the book. And also for those in uh, London, there is a Chol uh, HaMoed barbecue uh, with Rabbi Dweck. So make sure to get on that. And Chag uh, Sameach, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Lailatov. Es cool, Shani Murabot. Amen.